0: Welcome to the Arena Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. Hey friends at Arena, it is so good to be able to join you today, um, at least by video, huh? Um, but this week I'm actually going to be with you in person. Really looking forward to that. Please pay attention for the information on that at the end of this message. Um, I know so many of you and count you as friends, but for those of you who don't know me, my name's Stuart Watt, and um, I'm in the northeast of Scotland, living in a rural location um, where I pioneered a church in 2012 with my wife, Alicia, and three children. Um, It's a place called Mintlaw, and uh, yeah, we've been here for 10 years, and um, yeah, I'm a pastor, but I'm also an evangelist. And um, I'm trusting today that through that gifting, God is going to bless and help you. I came into a relationship with Arena Church about seven years ago when Christian, your pastor, was actually taking on the role of um, church planting lead for Assemblies of God in the UK. I remember going along to the session at the annual conference because I thought, I'm going to go in and hear this guy and see what he's about and hear the vision that he's got for church planting. And the Lord impressed upon me clearly that day that I needed to cheer Christian on. I needed to get behind him and build a relationship with him. And, uh, you know, since then, um, I, I would never have dreamt um, how that relationship would deepen, blossom, and materialize to be what it is today. And not only my relationship with Christian and and our two families knowing each other and having spent time together, but the relationship that's been extended um, as I've got to know you as a fellowship. And guys, truly, what a wonderful bunch you are. Um, Leadership you know, it starts at the top. You know, if we can't get it right at the top, it's not going to happen anywhere else. Uh, and uh, that's why you have got such terrific leaders. They are servant-hearted kingdom men and women of God. And I, I, I see that in Christian and Carline. I see that in the rest of the leadership theme. But I want to encourage you, that culture runs right through the house. It runs right through the campuses, the DNA of kingdom culture, that accepting of people, that that kingdom welcome, that unconditional love, and that reverence for God himself, it, it's just beautiful. And I want to honor you, each and every one of you, today. What a fantastic fellowship you have, and what a fantastic leadership you have in Christian and Carline and the wider team, I hope that you don't take them for granted. Today, I want to talk to you about being a way maker. Um, And as we begin this message, we're going to turn to a famous Bible story in Luke chapter 19. It's the story of Zacchaeus, the tax collector. He, of course, was the guy that famously climbed up the sycamore tree. We read from verse 1 there, He, that is Jesus, entered into Jericho and was passing through. There was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. He was trying to see who Jesus was, but he was not able to because of the crowd, since he was a short man. So running ahead, he climbed up a sycamore tree to see Jesus, since he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to that place, he looked up and said, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, because I must stay at your house. So he quickly came down and welcomed him joyfully. All who saw it began to complain. He's gone to lodge with a sinful man. But Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, Look, I'll give half of my possessions to the poor. Lord, if if I have extorted anything from anyone, I will pay back four times as much. Today, salvation has come to this house, Jesus told him, because he too is a son of Abraham, for the son of man has come to seek and save the lost. This great story has caught the attention and imagination of all who have read it through the centuries, mainly because of the actions of one of the main characters there, Zacchaeus, when he climbed up the sycamore tree. The images of that stick out starkly in our minds, don't they? This well-heeled tax collector, wealthy man in his time, um, crudely climbing up a sycamore tree. It must have looked so odd. Um, Obviously, despite his riches, Zacchaeus was a man of deep-seated need. And the story is a striking reminder to us all that if we would humble ourselves like Zacchaeus did, then we will, in so doing, position ourselves to catch a glimpse of Jesus. And we will position ourselves to receive of the kingdom of God and the favor of God into our lives. You see, the writer to the Hebrews says this, Without faith, it's impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is the rewarder of those that diligently seek him. And in the letter um, in James, uh, sorry, um, we read these words that God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Think of grace as forgiveness or mercy. Think of grace as um, power and strength. It's things that are are outside of our natural ability that only God can give, and it's undeserved, unmerited. But if we would humble ourselves, heaven will give it into our lives. I wonder if you have need of such things today, if you have need of the mercy and forgiveness of God, like Zacchaeus did. Before we go any further, if you've never... um, humbled yourself in heart and said, God, I need you. If you never recognized your, your, your need and recognized that Jesus, the son of God, came to meet that need when he died on that cross, he came to die for you. If you've never responded to that and sought his help and forgiveness in your life, then why don't we do that right now? Please just repeat these words in prayer after me. Let's close our eyes together. Thank you, almighty God. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying in my place, Lord Jesus. Forgive me for my sin. Come and heal my brokenness. Come into my life and save me. Amen. If you've prayed that prayer for the first time today, or you want to know more about what it is to be a Christian, get in touch with Arena Church. You'll see information come up on the screen in a moment or two. And the guys will get back in contact with you um, and tell you where to go from here. They'll want to cheer you on if you've just become a Christian. Or also, if you just want to know more about being a Christian, And um, please get in touch because help is available. So, we've talked about the obvious thing in this story, the sycamore tree. But I want to look at something perhaps a little less obvious in the time that we have remaining. We read in verse 3 that when Jesus came passing through this town, Zacchaeus wanted to see him but was not able to see him because of the crowd. The account goes on to say because he was a short man, he went and then climbed the sycamore tree. Um, It makes me wonder, friends, how often There are people that are trying to see Jesus. They're trying to come into contact with Jesus, but yet there's some type of obstacle in the way. Makes me wonder how often, perhaps, subliminal or unbeknown to you or I, we can actually get in the way, just like the crowd potentially got in the way that day. Of course, the greatest obstacle that was in the life of Zacchaeus was his own sin. But yet, I believe the reality is the primary obstacle that day was the crowd that stopped Zacchaeus getting to Jesus. That was the, the, the foremost issue. Yeah, we, we might be really hungry and be standing outside the Chinese buffet, but if the door is locked, then our primary issue is getting that door open. It's not whether we have money to pay for the meal or is there a seat at the table. We can't get through the door. There's no point worrying about the rest. How was this guy going to have his deepest need met if he couldn't get to Jesus? There were people in the way. Thankfully, he took evasive action. You know, this picture that is painted before us is um, a reminder to me of a scene that I have seen a few times here in the rural area that I live and many of you will have seen this in Derbyshire or perhaps when you've been on holiday. You'll see a slide come up on the screen just now. I can think of a couple of times where I've been going from A to B and have been held up by a farmer shifting sheep from one field to another. The sheep have literally blocked the road and stopped me going where I needed to. That's one of the things that we're often likened to as Christians, isn't it? Shape. And I want us to imagine of how we as sheep sometimes get in the way. Again, of how we sometimes unintentionally end up being a roadblock. And hopefully by the end of this message, we will shift from being roadblocks to being waymakers. Who wants to be a roadblocker, eh? So three things I want to look at very quickly today, friends. Three P's. We've got preoccupation, prejudice, and perspective. Firstly, preoccupation. Sometimes, let's be honest, we're just too busy. Um, And hey, as soon as I say that, I bet your mind races off to, you know, time-wasting, watching football, or maybe it's carnal, sinful things. But you know what? We can be too busy doing good things. Yeah, we can be too busy um, doing church things and ministry. You might wonder, well, what does that look like? What, what are you on about, Stuart? Well, sometimes we can be so preoccupied in Christian service that we become unavailable to the Holy Spirit's leading. Imagine if those in the crowd had been sensitive to Zacchaeus' situation. They might have had the privilege of being the ones to lead Zacchaeus to Jesus. Contrasting with that, imagine if Zacchaeus had become so discouraged because he couldn't get through the crowd to the Jesus he wanted to see, that he had slumped his shoulders, turned and went off home. And imagine if that had been his only opportunity to see and meet Jesus. These are challenging thoughts, huh? And um, it it makes me think of an account in Mark's Gospel chapter 1 where it tells us that Jesus had been in Capernaum and great things had been happening. Many, many people had been healed. Lots of people had been delivered of demonic possession. And the next morning, the disciples woke up uh, they're ready for another day of miracles. The revival train was running. And um, where was Jesus? He was nowhere to be seen. The Bible tells us that he had got up early that morning and went to a solitary place to pray, spent time with his father. They eventually caught up with him and the disciples said to Jesus, hey, we've been looking for you everywhere. Come on back. And Jesus' reply was this. He said, hey, let's go to the nearby villages and towns that I might preach there also, for that is why I have come. I'm so glad that Jesus didn't come just to please himself in a natural sense, neither did he come to please and appease the desires of man, but he came to do the will of his father. He didn't come to build man's kingdom, no, he came to build God's kingdom, to bring the kingdom of heaven, to the earth. I'm so glad because if he hadn't, I wouldn't be in the family of God today and neither would many of you. We need to be careful that we don't allow ourselves even to be preoccupied with good things, the good things of church life and Christendom, at the expense of being involved in the things of God's Kingdom. Hey, the church is ordained by God, um, but don't let that thing become something mechanical and rigid that stops the fluidity of spirit-led living being a reality in your life. There's a wonderful contrast with these thoughts and that story that I touched on there just now from Mark's Gospel. Um, and it's found in the book of Acts in chapter 8. And once again, there is a picture of revival painted where um, one of the apostles, Philip, um, was being used mightily by God um, in the area of Samaria. They were literally seeing revival. Multitudes were coming to faith. And then in the midst of the moment, the Holy Spirit speaks to Philip and, and says, Hey, head out to the desert. God has got a purpose for you. Put yourself in that situation. I laugh as I recount the story because I think, it's crazy. I know I would have found it so easily, so easy to justify hanging around at least for a two, three days more in Samaria. And I said, okay, Lord, I hear you. um, But you know, I'm sure there's some more folks to get saved here. It was like the windows of heaven were opened, eh? And uh, we would have justified other things. Like these people need pastors. They need disciples. There's a whole queue um, waiting to be baptized. So hey Lord, maybe just two or three days. But the Lord said no. Okay? The Lord said no. And I'm so glad that Philip was available. He was available whilst he was being used mightily in that context. He was available to the leading of the Holy Spirit. And what, look what happened as a result. Because he was available, not only did he see an area such as Samaria totally blessed by God, but he was led to intersect the, the, the man that was known as the, the Ethiopian eunuch who had been on a religious pilgrimage in his his own way as best he could, trying to find God, but to no avail. And he intersected him, and um, he, at the time the eunuch was reading, from the prophet Isaiah, making no sense of it at all, being anointed by the Holy Spirit, Philip brought revelation of the gospel through the scriptures, led the man to Jesus, baptized him in the water, and his Bible historians tell us that they believe that on the basis of that account, that Ethiopian eunuch became a catalyst that spawned a revival spreading across the nation of Ethiopia. If Philip had stayed where he was, if he'd been preoccupied with the mission that was Samaria, he would have seen an area mightily blessed. But because he was available, a whole nation was blessed by God. I want to tell you today, Irina, that in the kingdom of God, our availability will determine our usability in the purposes of God. Secondly, let's think about prejudice. You might think it's a bit of a a stretch or I'm taking um, preacher's license to imply that there was prejudice in the hearts of those who were between Zacchaeus and the Lord Jesus in our text today. But I believe I'm right to say that. Um, We read in verse 7 of the story, following um, Jesus, um, calling down Zacchaeus and embracing him very much into his life in the moment. Um, We read that the the, the people in the crowd, in fact, it says, All who saw it began to complain, saying he's gone to lodge with a sinful man. All who saw it The, the problem of bickering, of, of whining, and judgmentalism wasn't just present in one or two, but it was a pandemic. It was an epidemic that ran through the whole crowd, disciples and all. Zacchaeus was a tax collector, and they were well known for not only doing their job in, in collecting what was right, um, by the law from individual people, they were known also for extorting an additional amount from them too and putting it in their back pockets. These guys were effectively thieves, uh, and by virtue of that, of course, were very unpopular. But note here in the text that it wasn't the specific act in itself that caused them to be pushed to the periphery; by caused Zacchaeus to be pushed to the periphery. And by the crowd, it was what the act reflected. They, again, they said, "He's going to lodge with a sinful man." The people, because of the acts of Zacchaeus, had, had now cast a stone of judgment per se upon him in their minds and with their mouths. they had deemed him a sinful man, and of course, they were spotless and clean and without sin. No, of course, they were not. They were no different to you or I, they, as the Bible says, uh, like everyone else, had fallen short, um, were all sinful, and had fallen short of the glory of God. But the conduct of them, the prejudice and indifference in their hearts that day, it's replicated today, is it not? And dare I say it, it's often replicated in your heart and in mine when we read those headlines in a newspaper, when we see that thing on social media or that article on television of, of what this person has done in the moment, aren't we quick to bring judgment upon them and in so doing, distance them from the potential mercy, love, grace of God that could come through our lives and into theirs because we've looked down upon them, casting a stone of judgment upon them. Some, said C.T. Stud, wish to live within sound of church or chapel bell. I want to run a rescue shop within a yard of hell. What has become of us in such moments when we become prejudiced towards another? We have become indifferent to the heartbeat of the gospel itself. And this quote of C.T. Studd, this heartbeat that he carried, was the very heartbeat of heaven. We, at the end of our text in Luke's gospel, and um, we heard those words that, that the Lord Jesus had to bring to the attention and minds of those in the crowd that day, to try and bring them to their senses, the Son of Man has come to seek and save the lost. He said elsewhere that a doctor doesn't come for the well, but for the sick. And we were all so glad, weren't we, on the day that Jesus saved us, when he came and reached down into our mighty clay and picked us up and set our feet upon a rock, yeah, extended the mercy and grace of heaven and how easy it is for us to forget the height from which we have fallen. In so doing, we fail to position ourselves to make way for the next person who needs that mercy. Instead, we become a roadblock. But when we live near the cross, when we remember the mercy that was ours through the cross, when we remember that Christ Jesus died for sinners such as us, then there is a mercy that becomes available for the sinners in our world. Thirdly, and finally, perspective. I find perspective to be a fascinating thing. Yes, there was prejudice in the crowd that day, the people that stood between Zacchaeus and Jesus. Yes, sometimes preoccupation um, with the wrong things hinders people in our world from seeing or getting into relationship with Jesus. But there's something else that prevents people from seeing um, God and, and prevents us from seeing God's kingdom um, before our eyes. And that is having the wrong perspective. Another famous story in the Gospels is the story of the feeding of the 5,000. One of the accounts is in Mark's Gospel in chapter 6. There were two crowds in this story. A very large crowd crowd of 5,000 men plus women and children. Then a crowd of 12 disciples. Um, And uh, the multitudes in need um, were hindered by a small crowd. eh? A small crowd. It's funny that, isn't it? Sometimes you're trying to move a boulder and it just takes a tiny stone to hinder its progress. In this moment, 5,000 plus the women and children couldn't have their need met because of the wrong perspective carried by just 12. It's quite amazing. How did that happen? Well, here's the account in Mark 6 from verse 36. The disciples had came and and being aware of the the crying of the people and the need of hunger they had, they said to the Lord Jesus, Hey, send them away, that they may go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy for themselves some bread and have something to eat. Jesus' reply to his twelve was this, You give them something to eat. They replied in turn to the Lord, saying, Shall we go and buy um, a couple of hundreds worth, denari worth of uh, food and bread, and, and come and give them something to eat? What Jesus was trying to say to them in that moment went completely over their heads. So he proceeded to bring the loaf and fish and lift it to the heavens, seek the Father's blessing. the The food was multiplied, and a multitude were fed. Then this happened. It says in verse. Um, 42 through 43, they all ate and were filled, and they took up 12 basketfuls of fragments and of the fish, each basket representing each of the disciples. What was Jesus saying? He was saying, you give them something to eat because when you are in union with Jesus Christ, nothing is impossible for those who shall believe. When you are in union with Jesus Christ, you become salt to this earth, bringing a flavor, a transformative, purifying, life-impacting power that this world does not know. When you are in union with Jesus Christ, you are the light of this world, bringing light into the darkness, bringing hope to the hopeless. When you are in union with Jesus Christ, you become an extension of heaven here on this earth. Friends, Do you need to regain that heavenly perspective today? Do you need to be reminded, and that's what I'm doing in these moments, of who you are in Christ? You see, the same spirit that rose Christ Jesus from the grave lives in you today. Perhaps you need to speak to some mountains today to tell them, hey, be removed and cast into the sea. Perhaps you need to stand up and dust yourself down Remind yourself that you're a child of the King, that you are a child of God. And in Him, in Christ, you have authority to see God's kingdom here on the earth. Friends, as we close today, I trust that you're hearing the the voice of the Holy Spirit through this message, recognizing afresh the heartbeat of heaven And as we respond to the Holy Spirit today, submitting to God's will together, um, we are now shifting from people in the way to people who make a way. So let's not anymore um, be preoccupied with worldly things, nor settle for a form of godliness whilst denying the power of true Christian living. May we present instead our hearts and lives to God afresh and say, here I am. Let's not allow our hearts to become calloused or hard, but instead be sure to live neath the shadow of the cross, being reminded daily of God's love and mercy unmerited for us. And when we do live in sight of the cross and God's mercy for us, we'll be positioned to extend that same mercy to the world around us, to the whosoever. Let's be sure to lay hold of the truth of who we are in Christ, standing on the authority that we find in him. Then we will truly be the hands and feet of Jesus in this broken world. I close with Colossians 1, verses 26 through 27, where it says the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. To them, God has chosen to be, make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Friends, it Arena. Let's be world changers in the days and weeks that lie ahead of us. Let's regain that perspective. Let's reposition ourselves um, from being people of indifference to be people who possess the heart and mind of God. Let's position ourselves not to be preoccupied, but to be there and available to be used by God, to be waymakers, not roadblockers. I believe God Is going to do new and amazing things through you hey can i pray for you father bless your people this day bless them fill them afresh anoint them for kingdom purpose may your will be done in and through their lives i pray in jesus name amen it's been great to talk to you today but this week coming i'm going to be around going to be at the different campuses and we're gonna be running some um, personal evangelism training courses which are brilliant and totally geared for every person. Doesn't matter who who you are, doesn't matter how young a Christian you are, what your confidence level is or anything like that, this is for every single one of you. It's gonna help you to learn very simple skills that will enable you to engage with those in your workplace, your neighbors, your family members and friends, and be able to position them to come into relationship with Jesus. We're also going to have some practical opportunities to put some of this into action. And I want you to be part of this. So please come along. It's going to be great to see you again. God bless you.